Hello and welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com, the official podcast of the airsafe.com foundation. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis, the director of the foundation and the creator of airsafe.com, a reliable source of airline safety and security information since 1996. In this conversation, I'd like to replay an interview I had on the Don Shelby Show on WCCO Radio in Minneapolis on November 26, 2007. That interview was about a plane crash that had occurred the previous day at Fairboat, Minnesota, involving one of the descendants of the founders of the Mayo Clinic. You uh, may have been paying attention this weekend when down in Faribault at the airport, uh, four people coming in from Aberdeen, South Dakota, perished in a uh, plane crash. Second time they were trying to land their plane. It was a, uh, I think it was a Cirrus SR-22 or something like that. It was a Cirrus plane. Cirrus is made up in uh, Duluth, Minnesota. And I don't know if it's because because it is a local company that we pay particular attention to this, um, because it was touted to be one of the safest airplanes that could fly because a parachute is installed in there. And if you were to get into trouble while you were in flight, straight and level, you would uh, deploy a, a parachute and it would bring you down to the ground and, and things would be fine. Now, that's not true, of course, on takeoff or landing. Uh, that's a separate issue altogether. We thought we'd turn to uh, Dr. Uh, Todd Curtis, who is with airsafe.com. Nice to have you with us, doctor. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, can can you help us understand, uh, and you, you would, uh, I think, uh, understand the rationale that we have here, that because it is so close of a company that we pay particular attention whenever there is an accident with a, a serious aircraft. But I went to a number of web pages, and there there does seem to be uh, some conclusions being drawn by those people who just uh, are on listservs and, and file their own reports that it might be a, a tough airplane to learn how to fly to start with. Is that true? Well, it is a single-engine airplane, much like the basic Cessna that many uh, pilots train in. But one of the differences is it's a very high-performance aircraft. It's uh, quite a bit faster than your standard Cessna 172, and it's not the kind of thing that a brand-new pilot uh, would take to without some prior experience or without some close training. Uh, your audience may recall the event a few months ago with the uh, Yankee pitcher Corey Lytle, right. where, where he ran into a building with another uh, serious aircraft. And it's unclear, by the way, whether his instructor or Corey Lytle was flying the airplane at the time. But the fact is, it's not a simple airplane to fly. Is it a clean aircraft? And, and I, I use that language uh, having... Uh, been in the Air Force myself and studied uh, uh, a little bit about flying. Um, is it real quick? Does it respond quickly uh, to, to the uh, touch of the controls? Oh, absolutely. It's a very, uh, relatively quick air- aircraft for a single-engine aircraft, very responsive. And the uh, control system, well, one of the touches about the aircraft is that it has a side-stick controller rather than a control wheel, what you would see in a regular aircraft. Right. And although I've flown in the aircraft, I haven't piloted the aircraft. I was a backseater on several flights. And at least for straight and level flight when you're at altitude, it's relatively easy for someone to do some gentle maneuvers with the aircraft. So you just basically are working the uh, rudder and setting the stick, and, and that works the ailerons, and, and everything seems to be going fine. It Did the people that you were flying with when you were backseating uh, say that there was any particular difficulty on takeoff and landing? Uh, no, and just a little bit of background about that. It was, was a, an orientation flight with a bunch of uh, eighth-grade uh, students, and uh, the instructor and I talked at length about the kind of things that they were going to do. And one of my concerns was this is a higher-performance aircraft than your usual Cessna. 
is this going to be a problem for these girls to handle? These, this is an all-girls school. Yeah. These girls to handle at altitude. And from my observation, no, it wasn't. But again, uh, landing the aircraft is another situation altogether. And, and of course, uh, the flight instructor was doing all that. And if anyone who has ever taken any uh, courses, the the first things you're going to learn is straight and level flight and, and, and turning on a point and things like that. Once you're at altitude, so you can get a, a sense of the aircraft, uh, but the uh, the takeoffs and the landings are uh, typically, uh, in most training, the, the most difficult part of the training period, the thing that is most difficult to learn. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And also, uh, one of the things about small aircraft like that, this is a four-place aircraft, meaning four people can, can sit comfortably in there, is that if you are a private pilot, typically flying the plane alone or with one passenger, the performance is going to be different if you're close to the max gross weight of the aircraft. And I don't know the particulars of this particular crash that happened over the weekend, but always when you're flying and you're flying with a full load, it's a different feel than when you're flying with a partially loaded aircraft. So the workload of the pilot will be different in that kind of landing situation. Uh, from the very, very initial reports that we're getting out of Faribault, that uh, this was the actually the second attempt to land this aircraft. He'd gone around once. He'd come in, tried to land, and then uh, kicked it and and took it back up, uh, reset his legs, and then came back in again. And that's when when it uh, flipped over. It flipped over, inverted itself very close to the ground. And I'm not familiar with the stall characteristics of this aircraft. I haven't gone through stall training with it. But again, a simpler a single-engine aircraft, your standard Cessna 172, it has rather benign stall characteristics, whereas if you, what typically happens in a lot of landing accidents, you're making that final turn for a final approach, and you're doing it a little bit too slow or a bit too steeply, and suddenly you lose lift on one wing, and you go into a stall and a spin, you go into the ground. Yeah. Uh, a Cessna is not going to invert itself in a stall like that, and I'm not sure what the response of the SEER should be, nor, I should add, do I know exactly the sequence of events that happened in this accident this weekend? Uh, but it we, sounds from what I have heard that this is a, a stall close to the ground situation. Yeah, of course, uh, we want to make sure everyone knows that we're just, uh, this is all total speculation, that we are not uh, taking apart this uh, this uh, scene. We're not trying to uh, make an investigation here on, on the radio. And uh, despite the uh, incredible... Uh, Vita that uh, Dr. Curtis has, um, he is, is not an investigator on this case. But it seems to me, as we were talking about how quickly this thing responds, um, anybody who's driven a, uh, a sports car with rack and pinion steering uh, after they've driven the, the family vehicle for a while, and you uh, come into a curve, a turn of some kind, and you, you just uh, give the wheel a little bit of a turn, it has a very, very quick response time. The wheels are grabbing the, the, uh, the, the pavement very, very quickly, and you can make a, a turn very fast, which also leads people to overcorrect from time to time. Is this an aircraft of such sensitivity that uh, unless you were really, really comfortable with air, air, this aircraft and been in a number of tough situations before, that the chances of overcorrecting with very sensitive controls uh, may be a possibility for, not in this crash, I'm not trying to make it this crash, but uh, in, in, uh, for all those people who may want to fly this very clean aircraft, that overcorrecting could be a problem? 
It's a problem in aircraft that are like this because, again, going back to uh, the kind of aircraft that a lot of private pilots are going to be familiar with, the Cessna 172 and 152 are relatively stable, and they're designed to be relatively stable. It is very difficult to get that aircraft inverted compared to other more uh, high-performance aircraft such as the Cirrus. And again, this is a sort of thing where if you're going to move up from whatever aircraft you're used to to something that's a bit high-performance, one of the things I've uh, emphasized to people is uh, you know, money and good sense when it comes to being a pilot don't necessarily go together. Yeah. If you can move up to the $200,000 airplane that can fly a lot quicker than your Cessna, it is highly important that you get the proper training that you spend as much time as you feel comfortable with a more seasoned pilot or with an instructor at your side and just gradually work your way into uh, flying this airplane. It's very easy if you are used to one kind of flying to drop back into what for high-performance aircraft would be very bad habits. And again, I don't know the specifics of the crash uh, that happened or the experience of the pilot or the circumstances of the weather, but in general, as you move to higher-performance aircraft, you have to be extra careful. Dr. Todd Curtis is with us of airsafe.com. He's an air safety expert, uh, widely published and highly regarded. And uh, let me just uh, take this time, uh, since we have a few minutes left, and maybe a minute, uh, to ask you about the uh, NASA report. We'll move away from Sirius, Sirius aircraft right now. The NASA report that uh, took anecdotal information from uh, uh, commercial and civil av aviation pilots and compiled and then once they compiled the list of uh, things that sometimes we call uh, and I don't know it's oxymoronic to me near misses and some other problems that uh, may have gone unreported to the FAA uh, they decided to sit on the report and then now Congress has asked that it come out do you hold an opinion about uh, the the way that this uh, was put together and whether it will in fact help air safety well I have a very strong opinion on that particular situation in fact I think NASA management botched the situation in a large way because on the one hand this kind this is the kind of information that NASA has actually been publishing regularly for 30 plus years uh, you may be familiar with the ASRS database, yes. which is a database of self-reported events, such as what they were doing with this newer study, where it's been a, very, a system that works very well. You find out about things that would never showed up otherwise unless the pilot self-reported. And the fact that this newer NASA report would have showed that, oh, there were more near misses than we anticipated, well, that's, a, that's not surprising at all, because outside of the airlines, uh, a near-miss isn't necessarily something that's going to be reported very regularly. So anything that you could do to get pilots out there to self-report, to talk about what's really happening out there, will enhance safety. And one of the arguments of NASA management was that this would keep people from flying because they'd be afraid to fly. Well, I don't know about you, but every time I've flown in the last year, load factors are higher than they've ever been. Yes. I see more people flying than I've ever seen before. And they cannot make the airplanes fast enough at Boeing and Airbus to meet the demand. So I think NASA was dead wrong on this. They should release everything as soon as possible. If for no other reason than the uh, reason they gave. The reason they gave, as you've so clearly stated, was that they didn't want to scare anybody and they didn't want to have an impact on, on uh, uh, civil or commercial aviation. My response to that as a journalist was, what business of that uh, of that is, is yours. That's not your exactly. job. 
to to protect business. Your job is to tell us whether it's safe or not. And there's plenty of uh, plenty of opportunities out there for organizations like the Air Transport Association and the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association to go out there and make the case for aviation. It's NASA's case uh, job to make the case for safety and for design and for research. Dr. Curtis, thank you very much for spending some time with us today. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a good Happy holiday Thanksgiving season. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Bye-bye. And a good holiday season. You, too. Well, it looks like all the time we have for today. Before we end this conversation, I'd like to remind all my listeners that this podcast is sponsored by the AirSafe.com Foundation. This nonprofit organization is responsible for this podcast and for a variety of other efforts to further the public's understanding of aviation safety and aviation security. For information about the Foundation or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit the Foundation at airsafe.org. For more information about airline safety, you can find us at airsafe.com. That's A-I-R-S-A-F-E dot com. Or type the words airline safety into your favorite search engine. We're probably on the first page of results. Feel free to write to me at my email address, tcurtis at airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.